Welcome to the most energetic, positive, happy, and healthy podcast in the world. Living the dream. Dream stands for diet, rest, exercise, attitude, and meaning. I'm your host, certified health coach, motivational speaker, sober since July of 2016, American Ninja Warrior competitor, two-time world record holder, and ultra-marathoner, Matt Scaletti. Here we go! Welcome back, everybody, to the Live in the Dream podcast. Matt Scaletti here with a very special guest. I have Jeff Forrester here, and Jeff is a Christian husband, father, son, brother, friend, author, and coach. And he's a go-getter, as you can tell. And he's become a dear friend of mine over the last, what, almost a year now. And I'm excited to introduce you all to him. And what is going on, Jeff? What's up, Matt? Do you have the, I, I didn't ask you this when we were talking beforehand, but do you have the yellow camo pants on? <laughs> <laughs> I wore the, we met at this crazy 29029 Everesting event last year, and I had my Pittsburgh Steeler camo pants on. <laughs> I don't, I have shorts on, but I, I'm sorry to disappoint you. But next time I see you, I will rock them for sure. Awesome. All right, Jeff, let's dive right in. I'm excited to learn more about you as well, because I don't fully know we know some of what you've done now. What's your background and have you always been into this coaching space? Like how was your upbringing? Give us a little background about you. Oh man. So it, it's a great background because I had wonderful parents who loved me dearly. Um, and it was, I'm a child of the seventies, um, but 70s in the South. So um, it was one where grew up in a Christian home, you know, church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, vacation Bible school, all those things. My dad was a um, self-employed small business owner. So he had a toy store and then eventually transitioned that into hobbies. And my mom was a stay-at-home mom who supported him made dinner every night and then took him a tray because he was working every night. So it was just a very leave it to Bieber-esque um, family. But also what was really cool that I know shaped me that I I got honest from my mother was they were um, into Amway. So they were all and Amway in the 70s was huge. And it was all about not just the sales part of it, but it was about community. It was about positivity self um, development, all these elements. And I remember she would have cassette tapes of Zig Ziglar, Skip Ross, all these big time people that Amway would bring in. And then they would send these tapes out. And I would sit on the floor and listen to Zig Ziglar all day, which is not normal for you know young kids to sit there and do it. I don't know what it was. It wasn't anything that she encouraged me to do. I just saw them doing it. So I'd listen to it and I don't even know if I thoroughly understood it, but I just remember songs like, you know, think positive, believe you can do anything that you plan. If you will, life will treat you grand. Think positive, man, (laughs) you know, and so that I know in and of itself shaped me and always wanting to learn how to be better. I lived in my own head a lot growing up. I was a fat kid. Um, And so I had, you know, a lot of baggage from, you know, 
bullies in school and adults, teachers, and it wasn't just students. It was, you know, people that want to feel better about themselves, have a tendency to pick on people who have obvious physical differences um, or just personality differences, whatever. And I was guilty of the same thing because I was hurt. So therefore I would do some of those things. So, you know, all that being said, you know, it was a, a long path that um, continued on. And then my senior year of high school, my dad was diagnosed with lung cancer. He was a smoker. And so um, I started working full time when he was diagnosed with cancer because he was the breadwinner. And so I was a senior in high school. So my mom immediately became his caregiver. And I was at a small private Christian school that allowed me to come in the morning and then leave in time to go open the store and carry my schoolwork with me. Um, this was before virtual school existed and be able to complete my schooling so then I could continue to run the business in the hopes that my dad would recover and then everything would work out. Well, long story short is eight months later, he passed away uh, about a month, almost a month exactly after I graduated high school. So I worked all through high school. My mom took care of him and, um, you know, it was a blessing to have that store because it created people around me, a support system of people my age, but then people older who my dad had impacted because he was very jovial, always had good friends and um, really was a, was my hero of how he connected with people and how people genuinely connected back with him. So all that. Then we went, I went to college. I went to community college first, then went to the university of Florida. And then after I graduated, um, you know, seeing the struggles that my dad had and my mom had, you know, no life insurance really to speak of, um, no savings account really, um, never had a vacation, just worked hard. So I saw the ugly side of entrepreneurship that you don't ever see on Instagram. <laughs> you don't see the struggle, but I was blessed in the sense that we always had food. I already just said I was a fat kid, so I never went without a meal. Um, and we always had clean clothes. We we had everything that we needed. And it's a it was a, a vital lesson that in many times of my life, I've forgotten that that's enough. If you have love and you have, you know, a, a tight family that, you know, care for one another, that's enough. Kids don't know what they don't know. And so if they have love and compassion and structure, that's all they strive for and all they want. Everything else is our perception of what we teach them of what they think they should want. Um, and that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, exactly. So, and then what we decided to close the store because, you know, my mom's not a risk taker, go get a job, get a steady nine to five benefits, you know, just the old school mentality um, that they had versus seeing the struggles, the risk, the fear, the unknown, those type of things. Um, and so I did. I went and got a job, worked in um, the computer industry for about two years after I graduated college and then got into pharmaceutical sales in 1999, where I have been in that space until this past December. So pharmaceuticals, labs, um, diagnostics, and I've had sales position, training positions, marketing positions, leadership positions, leader of leader positions. So I've, I've worked my way through that 
Um, and so that's where I gained a lot of skill and knowledge was around that. But I'm still operating a vacuum of safety <laughs> because of the, the nine to five that we all get lured into of thinking that it's safe. But in the pharmaceutical industry for the past 15 years, it's every year you're dodging layoffs because, or you're moving companies because you anticipate product going off patent. So there's going to be layoffs. And so you keep moving. So it's not really safe and security. And so about, I know this is interesting for you. So back in 2009 is when I started really my, my, so I lost all the weight in college. So I went from 270 senior in high school down to 185 in college. So I've kept it off for well over 20 years, which has been, I think, epic because you see so many people yo-yo. Yeah. Um, How have you been able to not yo-yo? I mean, what's the, what's been your, I don't want to say secret, but I mean, what, what's, how have you maintained through that entire 20 plus year period of time? Just not wanting to get fat again. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not anything magical or poetic. It was just, I, I didn't like how I felt. I didn't like how I looked. Um, unfortunately, when I first lost the weight, I did it out of wanting to be accepted by others because I'd been picked on. So I thought, well, if I lose the weight, then girls will like me more. I'll, you know, I'll look better. So it was all this outside influence and they didn't do it for me over the years though, because I still battle that, that fat kid still lives inside me, unfortunately. Um, but it also drives me to think, okay, now I realize I did it for the wrong reason. And what are the right reasons? The right reasons is to be healthy so I can be around my family and live a longer life um, and be able to do things that I haven't been able to do or would want to do. So all those things I, I think have been the, the elements that have kept it off. And then I realized that my fam, a lot, not my mom and dad, but a lot of the family and friends that I had around is I'm also tall. So I'm six, two, I was six feet in the sixth grade. So I grew, I was the biggest kid in class. And so everybody immediately was like, well, he's just big boned. He's husky. Right. And that's the way God made you. So everybody just assumed that I was fat and that's what I was supposed to be. Well, I, I look back now, it's like, well, it was the fear that I think that they were casting on me by saying, well, you're just big bone. That's the way God made you. Because if you lose weight, then that takes away my excuse. And, um, and there are genetic influences. So by no means am I saying that there aren't genetic influences to people's weight. However, you know, coming from a guy who was overweight and lost the weight, you can do it. I mean, the biggest loser didn't do as well as it did because people couldn't lose the weight. I mean, that was the dramatic effect that they could do it. But it, it's not a to me, it's not a physical perspective. It's more of emotional and a mental toughness perspective of can you have the discipline or will you have the discipline to just not pick that up? It's not easy. It's truly an addiction. It's but it can be done with support, with help, with education, it can be done. So I think a lot of those things and just wanting to continue to better myself. And then 
getting into running. I never, like I was always into weightlifting because I played football. And so it was lift as much as you can eat as much as you can. Um, you know, and that was the, the element and it was fun. It's, it's fun to just lay on a bench and push as much weight as you possibly can. And then you're out of breath and then you stop and then you go eat, you know, I need protein. I got to bulk up. <laughs> um, and so, you know, then I started running and then it was that I did my first marathon in 2010. Um, and so now, you know, 12 years into it, it's evolved from just doing a marathon and then doing a half marathon. Then I did the goofy weekend at Disney where you do the half on Saturday and the full on Sunday to, you know, doing other endurance events, going on the basic course and then doing the calendar club in 2020 and then doing some, you know, these pseudo virtual last man standing races and then doing 29029 and then doing 250Ks and looking for a 50 miler and then potentially hopefully a hundred miler. And so it's just that moving that baseline of hard and difficult because every time you do something, and I know that I'm preaching to the choir, every time you move that baseline, you just find something else about yourself. You learn more of, holy smokes, I had no idea that I would start thinking that way. And it was 29029. I was halfway up on the first lap. I hadn't even made it to the first aid station and the negative talk started. Like I knew it was going to hit. Yeah. I thought it was going to be in the middle of the night. I didn't think it was going to be 150 yards into the first lap. <laughs> but I'm glad you said that because we talk about this a lot on the podcast. So you have this negative talk and whether you're doing an Everesting event or getting ready to give a presentation at work, how, what did you do, especially because it, it hit you sooner than you thought? How did you flip the script and not let the negative talk stop you from reaching your goal? I knew it was a lie. That was, that was the biggest thing is I knew it was a trick <clears throat> that, that your body and whether or not you believe it or not, I, I firmly believe that the devil plants those seeds of doubt, because then if you buy into that first little lie that I can't do it, then next thing you know is then an hour later, then you hear another one. And then an hour later, and the next thing you know is you don't finish the event because you listen and you believe those lies. Now you start beating yourself up. Now you lower your self-worth even lower. And, and then it compounds. And how do I feel better about myself? Well, I'm going to eat garbage and start drinking more. And then you, then you make bad decisions and you feel guilty about that bad decision. Then how can I make myself feel better? And it compounds. And that's how I lived my life for so long as I believed the lie that I was being told as I went. You talked about work. It's not just about physical stuff. It's like, you can't do this. Don't pick up the phone. Don't call those leads because they're going to think you're crazy. You're going to interrupt their breakfast. You're going to interrupt their lunch. They may yell at you when you call. They may. It's always the negative. You. I never thought, you know what? I could make a friend on this phone call today. And it could be one that lasts for the rest of my life. I've never, until I just said those words, Matt, I've never thought that when I picked up and cold call somebody, but I need to. <laughs> Imagine how much different. I'm going to do that too. I've never thought of that myself. Like how much different 
even your mentality is and maybe even your attitude on the call if we come in thinking that versus oh my god i'm just gonna embarrass myself and this person's gonna hang up on me that's a big mindset shift right there i love that i'm using stealing that Good, because I just thought of it because I was sitting there because I'm doing real estate now. So I know you wanted to know the story. So in December, I was laid off and I finally made the decision that uh, I say I and then I'll fill in the gaps later because it's a we decision that I was just tired of chasing that all the time of working for someone else and not feeling fulfilled. And so I love coaching people and I use coaching because I love helping people. I love seeing people step into who they're capable of being. And it just took somebody believing in them to step forward. So I love that. And so I've had people say, you know, you've got so much knowledge about leadership and about self-development and how to help people and ask questions and listen, you should be a consultant. I have no idea. I don't even know how to do that. I still don't know how to do that, but I know how to help people. So I'll figure out the rest later. But in December, I just, you know, I really started praying about it. And my wife, we talked about it because it's a family decision because I'm the sole breadwinner. And so we've been blessed to have the money to be able to say, okay, is this even an option? Because there's so many people that don't have the option to say, okay, can I just take a risk? and not jeopardize their family's well-being. Um, so we had been good stewards. So this had been a preparation. We didn't know we were doing. We just were saving money for the, you know, a just-in-case fund. And if I if I got laid off, right, because I'm in this cycle of avoiding those. So I was in my prayer and meditation one morning trying to decide, do I go back and get another pharma job, which I wasn't excited about doing, Or do I try to do this coaching business? And at the time, then I had a friend that was talking to me about real estate. I was like, well, my mom's been in real estate forever. So this is a great potential side or or co-career that I could do that would create flexibility. So we prayed about it and I heard, and I'm not one that ever hears audible words in the audible voice of God. And I was wanting a burning bush moment. I wanted a neon light that said, Jeff, go this way. And I would go that way. Doesn't necessarily work, but I heard which choice requires more faith in me to believe that God will provide. I'm like, well, that's kind of easy. <laughs> There's your sign right there. Yeah. And then I thought of the second part was the the, the story of the rich run, young ruler. I don't know if you know that one was where this gentleman, very wealthy had followed the law and he goes up to Jesus. And he's like, good master. I followed the law. I've done all these things. Now, how do I get to heaven? And Jesus said, sell everything you have and follow me. <laughs> so, so the guy turned around and he left. That's not what he wanted to hear. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's nobody wants to hear that. And so that was the next thought I had. And I'm thinking, okay, well, I don't think I have to sell everything <laughs> I have. So then I went on a run and I'm listening to a podcast of a friend who had had a similar journey with his career and a path of being laid off. And then what do I do and how do I, and it was just everything that he talked about just resonated. So I come home and I go, okay, I got to talk to my wife. I go, but she's going to think I'm crazy. I'm, I'm hearing the voices already. 
And like, don't say anything to her. She's going to think you're nuts. I'm going, it's your wife. I'm having this conversation in my head while she's sitting in front of me. And I'm like, nope, she's going to think you're crazy. I'm like, no, she's not going to think you're crazy. She's your wife. You have to tell her this. You can't keep this inside. Normally I would have kept it inside and then figured out a politically correct way to say it. Yeah. And so finally I was like, you got to tell her. So I just said, Hey, I know this might sound odd, but this morning during prayer time, this is what I heard. And so I could just see it on her face. She's like, uh, okay. (laughs) And, uh, but then she's, and I, and I looked at her and I joked, I go, well, at least it doesn't seem like we've got to sell everything and move across the country. Right now, it's just, let's try this. And I go, but if we do this, I have to give it a year. I can't just say this is a three-month thing and because we're two months in, into the year. And so I let her process. I started processing it. And that night, we, we made the decision, she and I, because I had to have her support to do it. And she's like, okay, let's do it. And she's been the best, Matt, because I, again, I'm, I listen to the voices. I'm not a risk taker. And I've had a, a tons of ups and downs of anxiety of how do I support my family? Cause we're now dipping into that finite bucket of money. And it's, you know, every time you reach in there, it gets less. And the the cool lessons that I hope other people will take from, from this statement is don't live in excess. And when you have a steady paycheck, me included, you live in excess because you are expecting that check to always be there. And it's such a dangerous lie. And, and I know in what you do is that, that you ask people those type questions and help people make plans. And so from my perspective is we have to think about in all areas of our lives, where are we living in excess that we shouldn't? How well are you thinking about the things that, that you have? Because they're not guaranteed. Tomorrow's not guaranteed. So time, how are we wasting our time? Because it's, it's, I, I don't know why I keep doing air quotes. It's excess. And, and yeah, you're right. And, and thinking about now we're more aware of what we're doing. We're more aware of what we spend. Um, you know, we're eating home more. So that means we're eating healthier at home. We're spending more time together because we're not just now my kids are busy with sports. So we're, sometimes passing like ships in the night, but we are more intentional about it. We're thinking more about, well, do I need this extra shirt? Do I need these, you know, these other things? Like, well, no, I've got plenty of stuff that I have. And so it's been a, a very cool learning opportunity. And then I decided to journal through all of it. So I can, so I can look back and say in a year when I'm successful, and I go, okay, well, how was I feeling on February 22nd? And it's like, oh, yeah, I connected with Matt. And we had this wonderful conversation that propelled me forward to think differently. And guess what I came up with when I'm cold calling people? <laughs> yeah, that, I, that's amazing. I'm so glad you shared all that because, I, I mean, there's a gazillion different ways we could go. I just think it's so inspiring that – can I ask you what, what your age is, Jeff? What's your uh, – how old are you? How young are you? I'm 49. So Jeff is 49. And I, I'm not to compare different people's stories, but 
maybe as a 21 year old who's single, maybe it's quote unquote easier to make a jump to be an entrepreneur. But I think it's even more inspiring. You're 49, he has two kids, wife, and you're taking this leap that, and you're, and I, I want to tie this all in because Jeff on his Instagram has be intentional and take your life back. And I'm assuming all of this wraps into that quote that you live by as far as being intentional and it is taking your life back. Is that part of taking this leap into entrepreneurship or, or are there other areas where you're taking your life back? That's, that's a big one. And what I want people to get from that is I started programming my brain three years ago that like it didn't happen overnight. There's no way because I've been laid off before. I've had you know issues where I panicked. I got to find a job as quick as possible. And I just would take something versus taking a deep breath and realizing what, what I needed and what my family needed. And, you know, hit, crossing the, the age that my dad never saw, he never saw 49 and realize, and I'd always told myself, well, I'm not going to make the mistakes that he made in the sense of working all the time. I did. Yes. I went to my kids football games and volleyball games and those type things, but I was always thinking about work. I was always, I would take a trip as soon as somebody said, well, do you need to be here? Yep. I'm out. So I never even thought twice about my family. It was work first and then family. And then God was way down here and I flipped it and I put God first and then everything else has fallen into place in such a beautiful manner because I was very intentional on that. And part of taking it back and realizing that, and I talked about it earlier, all my kids want is me and my time. That's it. They can, yeah, they say they want all this other stuff because that's what their friends have and that's what society has. But the long and the short of it is if I'm not, if I wasn't here, that would be the thing when they're 35 that they come back and they say, Dad, the one thing I wish was that you spent more time with me. And I don't want them to say that. And just being there isn't enough. It's being intentional with the time that we have. And so, you know, looking at it now is I had to tell myself that's what it, what I needed to do. I had to be intentional to get my life back. I had to write a creed for myself that I read every single morning that now it's there, but it I live the way the creed that I wrote. I wasn't when I wrote it. But it was that repetition of reading that. And it's like you doing your 5 a.m. dance club. That sets the tone. That changes everything. And telling yourself and controlling the words that come out of your mouth and the bounce around in between your ears, that's part of being intentional. And you cannot allow the lies to dictate the life that you have. And it was just like, I put a post up the other day is everybody's an architect of their, his or her own life. That's great in theory, because I always had a plan of what I wanted my life to be, but it wasn't. But until I put and took action and became the building contractor, the builder of my life, that's when things happen differently because my grandmother or my great grandmother was I always had this 
this phrase that she would tell my dad that he was good at building air castles. He would talk all these grand ideas and it was an air castle. And she's like, well, when are you going to build your castle? And that's kind of the thing of being an architect and drawing what you want your life to be is great. A vision board, love them. But it's a waste of time if that's where it stops. And so many people in every aspect that I've seen it, including myself, and this is why I can say it, is I've done those things and it sits there and it kind of makes me feel pretty good. But then I start beating myself up like, oh, I'm never going to get that. I'm never going to do that. Well, why not? I didn't change anything that I was doing every single day to get something towards that vision board. And that's where physical events are great. 29029, you have a plan. I want that red hat. And my goal going into that day was either I'm going to get the red hat or I'm going to time out or I'm going to get injured. Those are the only options that I gave myself and I wasn't going to stop. And that's what, that's what a vision board is. That's what that red hat symbolized to me. So when I got that and you've been there and you've done amazing physical feats, that red hat was my Super Bowl. Like that was holding that Lombardi trophy up, getting that red hat. And that's it. I paid a lot of money for that red hat. <laughs> yeah. But the, the payment wasn't money. It was 34 hours up and down that stupid mountain. <laughs> I, love, I just, I love all of this because it seems like it is physical, but it's so mental. And you took quitting off the table, Jeff. And don't you think... And this, this leads in perfectly to transition that we I want to hear about the Mighty Warrior Council. But can you not take what you learned from that 29029 event and one of the things take quitting off the table and use that in your entrepreneur day to day life as well, you think? Oh, 100 percent. It was like what Jesse said, rest on the mountain, just forward motion, turn right. You get off the gondola, turn right, just keep, and it's consistent. It's, you have to do the math, right? That's what he said. Most people that fail don't do the math. They lose track of time and they time out because they spent too much time sitting in the warm building, eating food. So that's the comfort zone. That's the comfort of, well, I know I need to pick up the phone and make those calls, but you know what? I'm just going to get another cup of coffee and I'm going to go down the hall. I'm either going to see Matt if I work in the building or I'm, I'm going to walk the dog. I'm going to do something other than what I know I need to do. And that's turn right. So doing the math, it's resting on the mountain. And then just it's I know it sounds cliche because it is, but it's keep climbing. So there's there's already been days I'm in that first lap man. (laughs) I haven't even made it to the first aid station. And I'm going, what in the world am I doing? Why did I sign up for this? And, and I've had it multiple times where I'm going, what? I mean, because this is an investment in our family, like every dollar that we're spending, me not working. So, you know, a normal nine to five is an investment in the family. So how am I using that time? How am I communicating what I do every day with my wife? And so we, I, I tell her because she deserves to know. So what's this week? And so this was a couple of weeks ago, like this week's an action week and here's what I'm doing. And, and I lay it out and I let her know because we're, 
we're locked arms in this because if she's not supportive, A, it's going to be detrimental to our relationship. And, and she has been, which has been great. And she keeps me out of my head because I'm not a risk taker and I'm a ruminator and I have anxiety. So all those things aren't good for entrepreneurship. <laughs> You're going to succeed anyways, Mike. Yes. So that's why you can't see it, but I have at least um, 10 to 12 sticky notes right here next to my computer. It's people want to work with me. I can do this. Take action daily. Your gift is helping people lead people to the light. Stay focused. God designed you for this. I am successful. People will pay my prices. You know, it's all the it's it's to counteract. To, those are all the opposites of the lies that I've told myself. And so every time I tell a lie it goes right up there and I need to write down the, I'm going to make a friend on the call today. <laughs> great. I love that. I'm so glad that you brought that up. All right. So Jeff, I know you got meetings lined up and we only have a few more minutes. What's the, and I do this thing at the end where it's the final three questions, but before we get to that, and I know you mentioned having physical events and getting people together to help each other level up in their lives. Can you tell everybody about, uh, first off, how they can find you and follow you on social media, et cetera, and a little bit about the Mighty Warrior Council? Sure. So on Instagram, that's the best place to find me. It's Jeff4Esther. So it's J-E-F-F, the number four, and then Esther. Um, See what I did there? (laughs) Yeah, it was great. Uh, So that's, I'm very active on Instagram. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn, Jeff Forrester there, um, you know, all the social platforms I, I try to be on. I'm not on Twitter very much at all. Um, and then the Mighty Warrior Council, it comes back where that was something that I co-founded with a friend of mine, Tim Douglas, that we realized that there was a lot of need for men's community because you just hear constantly about masculinity being, you know, hammered. And, and I think there are there are elements of the old school masculinity that are dangerous and are bad, but you can't sacrifice what role we play in society as a man. And so a lot of these communities are very good and very valuable. And there's some very big and strong ones out there, but they didn't have elements of God first. And so we saw the need to create a personal professional development in a community that had God first. And so that's where we decided to create the Mighty Warrior Council, where we're bringing guys together and we meet every other Monday right now. We're hoping as we grow, we're going to add additional times throughout the week, but we come together and we have um, lessons. Like last night, it was a, a lesson on accountability and leadership. And so we're trying to provide value and tools for all the members that are there to be able to go back and lead in their homes, lead in their communities, lead at work in a positive way. And so through that, we also want to create experiences. And so our first experience is coming at the end of March. Um, it's called the Battle Ready Experience. And again, that's where we've talked about it already, where we come together and have fellowship with other men and then do some strenuous things, some things that get people out of their comfort zone and then come together and then spend a day 
just like working on ourselves, working on each other and figuring out what are some things that we can do to be battle ready when we go home to help us again, lead better in our homes, lead better in our communities and in the workplace. I love it. And and people can find out because uh, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag, but it sounds like these physical events, you may be hosting multiple in a year moving forward, right? That's the goal. Yeah. So that's the goal. We're going to have our first one in March and then um, we're going to, we're looking to see from a, it's all me and sports and kids schedule, but figuring out when the next one would be that we can host and they're weekend events. Um, so like this one, it's everybody comes in on Thursday um, and we have dinner and then Friday we're going to do a hike. And then Saturday we come together and then departure on Sunday. Yeah. So check out and I'll link Jeff's Instagram and Mighty Warrior Council's Instagram in the show notes. So check that out. And I'm hoping I'm throwing it out there to you and the universe that I will be attending one in the not too distant future. Yeah. So we'll have to chat about that. But let's uh, let's wrap it up with the final three questions. Are you ready, Jeff? I think I have to be one way or the other. (laughs) I'm forcing you to answer all three of these. All right. What are you most grateful for in any area of your life? I would say right now, my wife, and we, we talked about it just because of the support, the, the encouragement that she provides me, the, um, filling the, the weaknesses gaps that I have. And so it, I, I couldn't do any of this stuff without her. That's a great answer. And it seems like you two are just a match made in heaven. And she's, she's almost like helping you accountability wise. It seems like too, you just like play off each other and she helps you grow. And I'm sure she would say the same about you. I love that. So second question is what is the biggest obstacle you have overcome? (laughs) You've plowed through quite a lot of setbacks in your life. And I just think that's, that's, insanely inspiring. I think it's something that I continue to overcome and it's the, the negative self-talk. That's the biggest thing that I've in retrospect. And when I have current things that I find myself stuck in, it's I've listened to the lies in my head. And so that's, I would say that's one that I've overcome and I'm overcoming because it continues to rear its head on a daily basis. I really appreciate your honesty because I think I need to put that out there in the world more often. I mean, I, I think I've seen as a positive, optimistic person, but like you just said, there's plenty of days, hours, minutes where it's negative self-talk and it's, that's not an easy one to overcome. So I appreciate you sharing that and being completely upfront and honest. And the final question is what's a summary of Jeff's perfect day. If tomorrow was the perfect day, what would you be doing? Oh man. There, um, one, it would be all stuff with my family around me. I I love my family. I, I just want them around. Um, so the perfect day would be them wanting to do what I want to do. (laughs) So (laughs) that's the first thing. (laughs) Um, eat what I want to eat, do what I want to do. And I think a lot of it's just, again, spending time with them outside and doing things with them and then capping the day off, all of us piled up on the couch watching a movie. You know, I, I love doing things outside and we try to, for, for Christmas presents, we do um, trips with the kids versus doing stuff. And so we've done some really cool trips together. 
And then COVID really put a damper on that and we haven't been able to do that. And now we're kind of in this realm of, again, sports for both of them. So a lot of our time is, you know, because spring break's taken up with practice and all these different things that are there. So it's finding opportunities to do weekends. So I know I didn't get super specific, but I think just doing stuff with them outside is what I consider a perfect day. I love that. And I think getting outside is just so crucial. I mean, it just puts just puts me in a better mood if I can get outside for five or 10 minutes. I just think that's so, so powerful. So thanks a lot for joining me, my friend. I know it's time for you to switch your mindset and your calling and go crush it with some meetings. But good luck to you. Thanks for stopping by. And I think given where we could potentially go, we got to do a volume two and we got to we got to do it on the podcast together because you have so much to offer and you've just, you're an inspiring young man, my friend. Well, I appreciate it. Likewise, keep putting your stuff out there, man. It, it influences everybody. They will do. You do the same. And thanks again. And we will see all of you listeners next week. Thanks for listening to another episode of Living the Dream with Matt Scaletti. I'm so grateful for you. Please share this podcast on your social media so others can benefit from this valuable content. Also, please subscribe to my podcast because if you aren't, I am watching you. (laughs) Check me out on social media and message me if you need me as your keynote speaker at Matt Scaletti on social media. I respond to all messages. Thanks and I love you so much. Oh,